He's not just Thai dad, he's my dad, James Gutman. What's up, guys? James Gutman here on HiPod. I'm Dad. Welcome back to the podcast every Friday, every streaming service. If you don't find me there, find me on HiPodImDad.com. I appreciate your support. Thank you. I hope you guys are doing well, man. It is the end of October here, uh, almost. It's pretty crazy. We're closing in on Halloween, my favorite time to dress my son up and uh, go out and then eventually steal all the candy that is in the house. That's the best part. My daughter is still at the age where sometimes she goes out trick-or-treating and then she comes home and then she's like, oh, get this candy away from me. And I'm like, gladly, I will gladly get that candy away from you and hide it inside of my stomach. And that's that's what I end up doing. So it's, an, it's a fun time. There's a way to to get that Halloween candy. I actually wrote that a couple of years ago, a uh, blog post about the secret to getting Halloween candy is just waiting your kids out because in the very beginning, they're like, well, you can have some Reese's and I'll take this one and we'll divvy this up and you can have this one. You can only have Mounds bars and you're like, ugh, all right. And they just give you garbage candy and then eventually they get sick of the candy and then you just eat the candy. Don't wait too long though. That is that is one thing to remember because I, I just recently threw out some Easter candy, which is effing gross. So don't do that either. Sometimes you forget about it and you're like, oh man, we actually have a candy drawer in my house. When I moved here, when I moved to this new house after uh, my divorce, I always wanted a candy drawer, and now we have a candy drawer. And I also have a little, little Hershey Kiss guy with his mouth right where the candy comes out of the mouth. You spin the top; he's got a little, uh, little flag, a little Hershey Kiss flag. You spin it; the candy's inside of him, and he kind of throws up the piece of candy, and you take it out of his mouth and you eat it. It's great. It's pretty cool. Um, I hope I'm describing that well. If not, you have a weird visual in your head, and. That's for you to deal with, not for me. But yeah, it's pretty cool. So uh, we are big on candy in this house. Part of the thing that you do when you have family and when you have kids and when you have holidays like this and you share it and you, you get to do things together. And of course, I'm segueing. That was a really poor segue. I think if you guys knew where this was going, you, you kind of knew what I was doing. On Wednesday, I wrote a blog post over on highblogomdad.com. I wrote two this week. Loved both of them. You know, on Monday, I wrote about my son nonverbal, teaching him to communicate the things that he wants. It's a subject I've written about before, um, but it's something that I I feel is really important in that life would be easier if I just kind of made him do whatever I told him to do. You know, eat what I make, just can him food, he would eat it. But my goal is to teach him to be self-sufficient and to express himself. Squeakiest wheel gets the most grease. So if you're nonverbal, you got to find other ways to squeak. So I've been you know, working with him. And now I'm teaching him to request a volume increase on his iPad if it's too low or to request what kind of food he wants to eat. And it's for him, not really for me as a parent. But that's it. As parents, we're supposed to want our kids to be whole people. So that's what I do. So I, I try to work with him on that. So read that on Monday. That was a good a good one. I was proud of it. Uh, I love writing about my son. Anytime I write about my kid, I always want to you know, I stop writing, and if he's there, I run in and I grab him and I hug him. Uh, but if he's not here, I'm always like, oh, I miss him. Uh, and this time, I wrote about him and he wasn't here. So when he gets back, I'm going to squeeze that boy. But on Wednesday, I wrote about Farewell to Fairweather Family, which is a post that I have knocked back and forth for a long time about writing. And there's not a lot of those left anymore. Um, I know there was a time at one point where I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to write about being bipolar, and I did. I didn't know if I was going to write about my divorce, and I did. I didn't know if I was going to write about childhood abuse, and I did. Um, this one was kind of a big deal because this one, this one covered a lot of ground, covered a lot of people, covered a lot of situations that I went through. And I, I have actually 
teased this topic before. I, I wrote last year after a particularly unpleasant reunion of sorts, I wrote a piece called um, People Will. And it was about people disappointing you and how some people won't. And if you really reread that now, it's very similar to what I wrote on Wednesday, which is about how some people are meant to be there and some people aren't. I'll give you guys some background. I don't name names because that's not the point of this podcast. It's not the point of the blog. I'm not here to, to slam anyone or bury anyone or anything like that. I don't want anybody to feel like I'm saying these things as some sort of way of revenge. Like, I have an outlet and you don't. So let me tell people bad things about you. Um, so I don't do that. I, I tell you guys these things because for a couple of reasons. First, I consider myself a good dad. It's one of the few things where I consider myself good at. I think I'm, I'm a good writer. I think I'm a good dad. I like doing those things. I enjoy doing those things. And they come natural to, naturally to me, which is why I think I'm good at them. I don't think I'm good at them because I'm talented or anything. I'm just, for me, there's no effort to, you know, taking care of my son. I love doing it. So when people go, that's really good that you do that. I go, oh, this must be hard for other people. So I'm, I must be good at it because I like to do it. Same thing with writing. I write stuff and people are like, this is great. I'm like, that took me three minutes. And they're like, oh, you're good at this. I'm like, I guess I'm good at it. I don't know. But I don't read my writing and go, I'm so good at writing. And I don't watch myself parent and go, what a good dad I am. It's just the way it is. You know, you do it. And I think a lot of people, you guys can relate to that, whether you're good at baseball or, or you know, whatever, checkers, whatever you do. Um, so I, I tell you guys these things about my past because I want anyone out there to know that you don't have to necessarily come from any sort of Ozzy and Harriet Brady Bunch background in order to be a good parent. You can do it even if you have a rough upbringing. And I had a rough upbringing. I had difficult things that happened. I've shared, you know, very little, but for the most part, you guys get it. It was tough. And as I grew older, I distanced myself from some of the toxic parts of my upbringing, family or whatnot. And as I did, it started to become apparent that perhaps all these things that I went through weren't really secret from anybody else. I think a lot of people knew what was going on, but nobody really cared. And that's that's when you really start to feel alone. You feel like, you know, you get older and you're like, I'm going to tell everybody about this and about that and about this and about that. And they're going to be on my side. And they're going to be like, blah, blah, blah. And they don't. They're like, yeah, just, you know, but just shut up. Just kind of just deal with it, man. We all deal with it. And even when you put that away, this is what you'll learn too. Because a lot of times people hear this and they go, well, you were a kid. Let stuff go from when you were a kid. And I did. I did. I let everything go from when I was a kid. But, you know, what is it? Leopards don't change their spots or whatnot. So as you get older, all of a sudden you're kind of going through it on a different level and there's stress and anxiety and fights and nonsense. And really after my heart surgery, it just became wash my hands of the entire situation. And I still desperately wanted to have family and I still reached out to people and I still tried to bring people in, but I don't know, man, birds of a feather or whatnot. I don't know, but it, it, it never worked out. I had people, people were cruel. Uh, people were self-serving people, people break your heart, man, over and over again. And sometimes you say broken hearts and it sounds like romance and yeah, that's part of it sometimes, but your heart could be broken in so many ways, you know? I lost friends in my life and it broke my heart when they left. My best man, my wedding died a couple of years ago, broke my heart. One of my best friends killed himself decades ago. Still breaks my heart every day. So things can break your heart that aren't romance and family broke my heart. But I had another family, right? I was married. I had this whole extended other family. Uh, and that too began to break my heart. Um, 
some of the ones that I, I really loved a lot passed away. Think about them. Consider them my family, no matter what anybody says. And that's, that's something that's important. I think even, even once you get divorced, uh, even once you're no longer a part of that group, there are people that you love. And there's people in my, my in-laws, as you would say, like that extended family that I still do talk to. And there's cousins that I really, I, I, I like them very much and good people and things like that. But there are a lot who, even when I was a part of it, I felt very distant from, even though I didn't want to be. And I told the story about the holiday invitation being pulled away. I think I did tell the story about it. We had, we always had a certain holiday standing invitation that one year suddenly was gone. We were told, you know, oh, we're not really doing it that year, but they were. And it was hard to explain to my my daughter who kept asking, why, why aren't we doing this? And I'm like, oh, well, we're going to do something else. We're going to do something fun. And we went to like a diner and it was very disappointing. And as you guys know, too, I talk about being bipolar and I talk about some of the things that I dealt with. Holidays were always a trigger for me. So to have that happen, it was just like everything was exploding around me. Uh, and it all culminated a couple of years ago. I had written a blog post called The Almost Worst Christmas with My Favorite Person about being with my daughter and all of a sudden all the plans fell apart while she was actually in the shower getting ready for Christmas and it ended up just being her and I ordering dominoes on Christmas day. And this had long been a concern of mine to have a ruined Christmas. I didn't want it. And it pretty much was ruined and I did everything I could to save it. Uh, and I think it was all right. We watched a movie together and we, we ate pizza. I, I don't know how much she loved it, but it could have been a lot worse. I did everything I could. But I knew at that moment, I was like, it can't get worse than this. This is the worst it could be. And we're okay. December 26th, we pull out of it, we move on. And we did. And now I'm away from that situation. And I'm out of it. And now that I'm out of it, I honestly can look back and realize that those things that I went through weren't positive and they weren't my fault which is a big, big issue. Because when you come from a difficult family in childhood, and then you find yourself surrounded by a difficult family in adulthood, you start to think it's you. Oh, this is me. I'm doing this. You know, these people don't like me. I must be just a terrible member of the family because, you know, I'm trying so hard and everyone's indifferent. And, you know, you find yourself doing things for people who who would never do it for you. I would do things for people as favors, knowing they'd never do this for me, but making kind of justification for it. Well, that's who they are. They, you know, they don't do it and this is good. I'm showing them. Maybe if I show them that I would do these good things for them, maybe they'll realize they should do it for me. Like it was always about this hope that, that there's gonna be epiphanies for these, like to be frank, assholes that didn't realize what they had and what they should be doing. And it wasn't just me because you would hear people talk trash about each other. I came from, from families where they would wish death on each other at holidays, man. The people, well, I thought you were supposed to be dead by now. You're not supposed to say that. Awful, 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 awful stuff. And um, the problem was when I finally did get away, I took inventory of it. And I talked about this in the blog post. And, you know, my therapist had told me, he goes, look, you you gravitate towards what you know. And I got offended. I'm like, How, what? It's my fault that these people are, are being like this to me? And in a way, yeah, it was my fault that people were being like that to me just because I chose to bring people into my life that lacked a lot of the things that I grew up lacking. And it wasn't because I liked it. 
right? This is important. If you guys, I want you guys to listen to this because a lot of times I tell you guys this like advice and these things that I come up with that I kind of feel like are, are a little bit of a duh, you know, like you guys should know it already. I should have known it already. I did know it already. We're just saying it out loud. This is a real thing that I was like, oh my God, that makes sense. You don't gravitate towards people who lack the same things that you grew up lacking because you liked it. It isn't some weird fetish where you're like, I like being treated like crap. Let's bring in more crappy people. Um, you might. I don't know. I don't know who you are. But for me, that's not what I did. You gravitate towards people who lack the things that you lacked growing up because you don't realize that family isn't supposed to lack those things. You think that's what family is. And that's what I thought. I'm like, well, that's how people are, you know? People are like this. It's just, it is. Maybe not exact, and it's never exact. Like, if I looked at everybody, like, none of, no one's really the same in this situation. Like, this person isn't like that person, but they all lack a certain, I don't know, sense of family, love, compassion, caring. It's missing from a lot of the people that I dealt with. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And the issue was that after I got out and I found Lauren and her son Christian, Lauren's mom, Carol, I love, her dad. They're good people, man. I was, like, prepared to not. I would still have anxiety the first, like, holidays, and what am I going to do, and da-da-da. And then they were nice. The holidays were nice. Christmas was nice. Thanksgiving was nice. Block parties, barbecues, good people. And there's still a little thing in my head that's just like, this is nonsense. They're going to hate you eventually anyway. What are you doing? Why are you bothering? This is... You're not supposed to be here. This isn't for you. <laughs> I keep going back to Dusty Rhodes, man. I told you guys this a million times. It was it was a Stone Cold Steve Austin promo from ECW in 1996 talking about how he had approached Dusty Rhodes in WCW about all the ideas he had for his character and how it just rings through my head because Steve would do this impression of, of Dusty and he goes, you know, and he looked at me and goes, that's not for you, baby, that's for somebody else. And every time I think about this, I think of that Stone Cold impression of Dusty Rhodes telling me, that's not for you, baby, that's for somebody else. But it was for me. And I, um, I realize that now. It took a little while. It, it did. It's been a journey, dude. It's really been a journey. Leaving that life behind, leaving all those lives behind, and being able to, on Wednesday, write a piece about it where I acknowledge that. And where I, I've officially wished them all into the cornfield. And it feels good. They can't hurt me. Um, and they can't hurt me not just because they're not around me, but because I just can't be hurt by it anymore. Because now I know that it wasn't me, it's them. you know. And I know that I deserve good people because I put good things out there. And you have to find, and this is... The most important piece of advice I can give you, if you're the kind of person who likes to put good things out into the world, who likes to do good things for family, do good things for friends, do good things for those around you, find people who appreciate it, not people who you hope will appreciate it, which is what a lot of us do. Whether it's, again, it doesn't have to be family, it could be friends too. I've had friends like that, where you do good things for them and they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, cool. And you're just like, oh, maybe if I keep doing it, he'll appreciate it. Spoiler alert, he's not going to appreciate it. They're not going to appreciate it. But there are so many people out there who would. The problem is that I would then 
be like, what do you want? I, I've talked about that with Lauren too in the beginning when I first, you know, would, would hang out with her, be around her and her family and things like that. I used to think, what what do these people want from me? Why are they nice to me? What do they want me to do? Do they need a ride? Like I couldn't figure out what my role was because I couldn't fathom that people would just like want me there and want to be around, which just sounds so pathetic. I hate saying it out loud. It's really a vulnerable thing and it's it's a callback to somebody that I'm, I don't feel like I am anymore. And I feel bad for that person. I always wished I could go back and just like grab myself and be like, dude, just be like, you're allowed to be happy. Be happy. You know, my old therapist, I haven't, I gotta go back to therapy at some point maybe, but I haven't, I haven't been there in a while. There was uh, my therapist at the time when I was getting out of my marriage and, and moving on to my new life. I remember he had said to me, he goes, do you think you deserve to be happy? You know, that therapisty way, you know? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, my, look, if my kids are happy, I'm happy. I want my kids to be happy and then I could be happy. And he's like, and I explained it for like a minute. And he goes, I just asked you if you thought you deserved to be happy. I don't know why you're giving me this whole thing. It shouldn't be a whole thing. So right now, if you ask me, are you happy right now? Yeah, I am. Do people still try to, to get to me? Do people still try to hurt me? Yeah. But does it happen anymore? No. You listened to last week's show, you know. You can't hurt somebody who's in a good place. And I am now today in the best place I've ever been in my life. And I thank my kids. I thank Lauren. I thank Christian. I thank their family. And I thank you guys for giving me this outlet to do this, to be able to come out here and speak about where I came from and to be able to tell you guys stories without getting too incredibly detailed or hurting anybody for it, but just really just being able to just shed my previous skin uh, and being able to grow into the new life that I deserve. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without the blog, without this podcast, and without you. So thank you. That does it for me this week. I'll see you guys next Friday. Until then, this is James Gutman saying, be well. Bye, pot. I'm dead.